I do believe that the creative path is really healing in a lot of ways and so i'm super grateful like i would not choose another path am i wildly successful yet no but in my own way the inner child is like yeah yeah you didn't listen to mom and dad no like (laughs) you know what i'm saying my friends and welcome back to gumption if you're new here i'm lily your host and if you're not new here thanks for coming back before we dive right into the content of this week's episode i just want to share with you guys how much fun i had recording this one i love when i have the opportunity to sit down in person with the guests and just have a really organic and lovely conversation and when i tell you these two ladies have so much joy and wisdom and just like creative energy We had so much fun, we were cracking up the entire time, and we were able to get some tacos and margaritas before and then walk right across the street to record it at their very own creative studio, Plum Hill Creative, which you will hear about throughout the episode. I feel like I was especially validated because they both describe themselves as multi-passionate, and anyone who knows me knows I am the exact same way. I have a lot of creative pursuits, and sometimes I feel like people don't relate to that. So I will let this interview speak for itself. Without further ado, here are Ashley and Lo. Enjoy! I'm Ashley Rector. I am the founder of Quimby Digital and Plum Hill Creative, and the former founder of Harness Magazine. I'm multi-passionate, obviously, you can tell by the three businesses I just named. I'm a mama to two toddlers, and I am an aspiring fantasy novel author. That's my dream. That's my end goal. Oh my gosh. Well, that right there, I was telling Lo earlier, my dream is to be an author, so we'll have to chat. Yes. And a comedian, right? Yeah, and a comedian. Because you just have funny sarcasm, (laughs) and I'm like, wow, that was really funny and dark. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) So I'm Lorena, Lorena Opris, Lorena Alexandra, whatever you want to call me, Lo, <laughs> go by multiple names. <laughs> I own the Branded Babe Club. It's a membership community for entrepreneurs who are in their first couple of years and they're looking for ongoing support, friendships, who are also on the same ebbs and flows of running a business. And we do all sorts of fun workshops and events and it's great. I am also multi-passionate. I come from a long (laughs) long history of different just learning all sorts of different skills and teaching myself all sorts of different things and i also am a community manager at plum hill yeah so i love it and i think this is a perfect opportunity to talk about how i met these two ladies so i just moved to lakewood as all of you listeners know a couple months ago and on the hunt for beautiful coffee shops to work from and get my like daily coffee run fix I actually was walking across the street from Barrio and I saw this place called Good Kind, which happens to be in the same building as Plum Hill. So kind of piqued my curiosity when I came here the first time, there was no one in here. So I was like kind of peeking in the window. I'm like, what is this place? You can tell just from the like storefront that it's absolutely beautiful. The architecture inside is like so aesthetic and colorful and that's just kind of my vibe. So I was really intrigued and I ended up reaching out to them to see if we could meet and collaborate. There's just a lot of creative things that I want to do and sometimes you don't have the right space for it. You really like found a corner on the market, I feel like, just 
knowing that people need a place to go and record content or just collaborate with other creative people. I think we can start off by talking about what Plum Hill is and also how it came to be. Like, how did this idea materialize into this beautiful space? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so Plum Hill, I decided to launch, God, it's almost a year year. in June. That's crazy. Oh, wow. Out of purely the need for, like, community and also I run a digital marketing agency and we shoot a lot of content And I just found that there, like, wasn't a space that I felt was appropriate for, like, what I needed to shoot. There are a lot of beautiful spaces in Cleveland, but I wanted something, like, kind of close to home and, like, on the west side. And, like, you know, Madison Avenue is beautiful and historic and just, like, booming. And so it was kind of the perfect opportunity. So, actually, I was driving by the space and there was a dumpster out front. And they were throwing stuff away. And I was like, oh my God, they must be going to rent this. So wow. I reached out to Good Kind on Instagram. And I was like, I'd love to look at the space next door. Like, who's the landlord? And the owner of Good Kind ended up introducing me to the landlord. Cool. He's like this sweet, like 70-year-old man that lives above the space. And Stop, he, that's so cute. Yeah, we met for coffee. And he was like, yes, I'd love to like rent to you. And the rest was kind of history. So when we went through the space, it needed a lot of work. So, I mean, a lot of work. So we gutted it, literally. Wow. It used to what be. What was it originally? So it was. It was a, dark and like creepy when you would walk by. I yeah. Never knew because I always go to good kind of like what is this space? Interesting. Honestly, it was it was a space that rented out um, like products and stuff for people that had disabilities. So like okay. wheelchairs or whatever, you could come in here. It was like Matthew's Lending Library, and you could mm-hmm. rent it out. Yeah, so they went out of business because COVID hit. And then before that, I heard it was a bar. So, like, when we ripped everything up, the floors were, like, trashed. (laughs) Oh, gosh, yeah. I can't even imagine the things that would have been lurking underneath there. Um, But, yeah, so we, we, like, reinvented the space. I got a local architect. Like, everyone was local. We actually just won an architecture and design award a few months ago. And really, it was just born out of, like, digital meets physical baby like i was i was doing all digital stuff and i needed a physical space and this You're was like, it is for life real can we be in yeah. the real world <laughs> exactly and, and then i met lo how did i meet you i was speaking somewhere at the beauty boost i think oh my gosh so i dm'd you right yeah and then i think i met you uh-huh. and i was like worlds collide yeah. so many good creative partnerships start in the instagram dm i know like, i swear yeah. and i remember hearing you speak about how like you tried all these different businesses before you landed where you were yeah. and like how multi-passionate you were. And I was like, she's speaking my language. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, and then actually after that, I think I saw you post something and I was like, I'd love to just like, I'm, I'm available. I'm free. If you yeah. want like a community manager. <laughs> yeah. We were like on similar wavelengths for yeah. sure. So cool. Mm-hmm. It's been really cool. Mm-hmm. Like just seeing it evolve and just all the people that come through here in different ways, like, different events yeah sometimes it's photographers we've had like a famous person in here yeah wait which famous person oh, bone thugs and harmony yeah. one of the wow that's so cool literally members i think it was busy bone busy bone that was his name yeah we got to watch the whole like interview happen crazy like bus trying to fit into that like little parking lot oh next gosh. door <laughs> That is so neat. I definitely felt that community vibe just as like a passerby. I was like, 
I was looking for a creative place in Lakewood moving here. Just knowing there's so many small businesses, I'm like, I need to find a place where there's similar like-minded people, even though this is not something I do as a full-time career. It's just really inspiring to find people that are looking for that community because yeah. there's definitely lots of people who do their own thing and have their own channel and put their content out and don't necessarily need that communal aspect, but it's really important for people to collaborate. And like we were talking about at dinner too, just bringing everyone together in the same space. You don't even know the potential of the ideas that could possibly come from that. So that's super cool. Mm -hmm. I also want to talk about the Branded Babe Club because I just feel like that's a really cool concept too. And we should introduce that to the Gumption listeners as well. Yeah. Well, thanks. I started in 2020 as a photographer and I did weddings. I did like all sorts of different random stuff with photography. I taught myself how to use my camera while I lived in London. And oh, that's, that's a cool. whole story. That's like a flex. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, here's this like a side, it's the whole side story. I always see photography as like the vehicle that took me to other yeah. places, whether I like do it forever or not. So pandemic hit when I literally signed my LLC. Someone's really loud outside. <laughs> They're flex always flexing with their car. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no one cares, sorry. I started doing brand photography, brand design, pandemic, like not being able to be in person and tried to just figure out how to run this thing. I didn't have a job at the time. So I was like, I have no option but to make this work. <laughs> and throughout all this time, I guess a couple years in, I was like, I'm really lonely. Like, you know, similar to Ashley, you run something digitally or you just... Maybe you see a couple clients here and there, but really I was craving that support from other people who are like-minded and who get it. Relatability of entrepreneurship, it's not yes. like overnight success. And so after a couple years, I hosted a networking event and I brought 27 women together into this coffee shop downtown. Wow. They let me use their space and it was one of the best experiences I had. It felt like the most seamless thing I ever did where I was bringing women together and helping them feel like they could just show up in any room regardless of like what stage they're at in their business. And yeah. so from that, like I did another one and another one and it just became a community. Uh, at the time I was trying to figure out like how do I monetize? Of course you can do all sorts of stuff. You yes. still need to make money. And so I created a membership out of it. That's kind of what we do. It's just really supportive space. So yeah. That is so cool. And it is a testament to your business as well that like you were so willing to have me here and have a conversation with me and like go get margaritas before this podcast because I think those personal connections are ultimately what leads to more creative collaboration. It's cool to see women sharing that kind of information because I feel like a lot of women go into creative endeavors and start businesses without maybe even knowing what it's going to entail but you're just like i want to do it yeah and if someone else has already kind of been down that road and knows some helpful resources or tips that you don't it just makes everyone else thrive off of that starting in photography and then leading into this more community-based membership how did you realize that that was the niche that you wanted to go into because as we know is kind of important but also as we've all said, being multi-passionate, yeah. it's a weird balance. It like is. you don't want to niche yourself down too much, but you also right. want to represent yeah. everything you do. I think when you're creative, you kind of try to fit yourself into a bucket and you probably try a lot of different things when you're starting out to just see where you land. For me, I loved photography and I loved 
design, but I think the bigger impact I was craving was beyond that. Yeah. I struggled with community my whole life, and it's funny because now it's like the thing that I'm really good at, <laughs> you know? Birthed out of like what I really wanted, I found people who also wanted the same thing, and so I think the niche kind of just revealed itself, and I see niche as like not so much a demographic, but more of like, we all have a similar thing in common or a similar problem or a similar desire. And we all have different demographics despite our similar desire. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's yeah. women who they just signed their LLC and there's women who have been in their five years in their business. It's like, we all have that similar niche desire. Does that make sense? That's really interesting. I yeah. like that definition because I feel like niche is usually a negative term but it's usually used to describe like bringing all the things you do down into one category but it's like actually you all share this one category mm-hmm. and then you're bringing your different perspectives like that's super interesting i really like that definition yeah, what you think actually yeah i think marketing queen <laughs> first of all lo is like the master connector like it's just her superpower so when she said that i'm like yeah if you meet some people and you just know that they are passionate about connecting other people and that's so low. So the branded babe club is a no brainer. When she told me she was scaling it, I'm like, oh my God, yeah. You connect people just to connect people. I, I do. need to that's join. I really need to you join. Know what I mean? Yeah, like, like so. Oh, you probably need to know this person. <laughs> and that's the best kind of business to have though. You would be doing this anyway. Do you that's know what so I mean? True. Um, Thanks. In terms of niching, it's interesting. I 100% was scared to niche. And I think the first two years of my business, I actively avoided it. And so when we would pitch clients or whatever that looked like, I would say we work across industries. We work with every client. That's what we're good at. And it's true. We can consume information and Mm -hmm. develop content for so many industries from like space venture capital which is like super technical to like an athleisure wear brand just because we can do it doesn't mean that we should do it but i think niching down is such a trigger word because it plays into a lot of people's scarcity mindset absolutely when people are scared to niche it's because i don't want to niche because then my pond gets smaller i'm saying no to all these opportunities and i need these opportunities to survive what happens if i niche down you know so it's almost like you have to take that leap and niche and then realize that your target client will come to you. So like we did a rebrand and now we're called Quimby Digital and we're servicing femme focused clients. And just by the way that we rebranded and like the language on our website and how we position ourselves, mm-hmm. now like those clients I want to work with are calling us. That's amazing. I still get nervous. Oh my God, we've niched down so much. The clients I'm trying to service, there are millions and millions of like female founded companies. Yeah, Yeah. totally. It's scary to niche because you're like, oh my God, what if I niche and then I make no money? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. exactly. But like, we were literally talking about this yeah. before you arrived at dinner because I was just telling a story about how I recently like moved away from an opportunity that I had been working on in my free time as like a side hustle creative endeavor, and it just was like a really negative relationship. I didn't feel like it was encouraging me at all. And it was something that I would enjoy doing if it was probably the right environment. So I had a hard time saying, no, I actually need to move away from this. Mm-hmm. And Lo was like, yeah, I mean, I had this realization that not every opportunity that comes your way, you have to say yes to. Mm-hmm. And it is such a weird thing to acclimate yourself to because, but once you do and you really are strong in your boundaries, then you ultimately end up attracting those clients that you want to yeah. work with. Yeah, I do think in all the years of business that I've been in, which I'm only, I'm gonna be 36 in June and I started 
a lot of businesses. <laughs> it's just like in my blood, right? I, I realized that mindset was like the one thing that I need to focus on to be able to scale. So there was a long mm-hmm. time that I believed that the harder I hustled, the more money I would make. Mm-hmm. And then it shifted and I realized unless I shifted my mindset and did that work on myself, I wasn't going to unlock the next level. Yeah. And that was so true. And the universe tests you. This is a good example. When I started, my first client was $750 a month. Mm-hmm. We pitch now at 5000 6,7500 wow. a yeah. retainer a month. And there was a long road to that. But like when I committed to we're only going to do $1,500 clients, like I would still get clients that would come and say, how about 700? It was like the universe being like, are you sure? Are you sure? And wow. I'd have to be like, no, we're not doing that. And then like, yeah. and then it went from 1,500 to three grand. Then the same thing, the universe tested you again. And like, so every iteration mm-hmm. and it's weird. I never get $1,500 clients anymore. That's Isn't that crazy. weird? Like they don't even, con- they don't Whoa. think about. It's like they can sense that yeah. you're like on a higher level yeah that's yeah so but like weird when you shift your energy that way i think about that sometimes we used to get these types of clients all the time and mm-hmm. now it's like someone comes to me and they're like i have three grand to spend right now or like, oh, i have 20 yeah. grand right yeah. it's not even the thing wow it just goes to show you like you said the mindset is just crucial and with the niche going back to that real quick research has proven the more you double down on something and the more you master something, your confidence grows yes. and your specialty grows, and then you're able to pay more. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, imagine being like, for me, I'm talking to myself, imagine being <laughs> good at five things and people are kind of like overwhelmed. Yeah. They're like, where do I even start with you? That is like, such a good so point. So you'll feel better when you're like, wow, I'm just getting really good at this thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That honestly makes me think of a few summers ago, I was running an Etsy business, selling my handmade art, and it was really fun. It kind of evolved from like a hobby into more of a business, but I do multiple kinds of art. Like I paint, I sketch, I do mixed media, and kind of like willing to experiment in all different kinds of art. So I feel like when people would come to me and say, I want this kind of thing but you can decide which media you want to do it was a little overwhelming because it's not just one option they had to know exactly what they wanted so i think it honestly would have been more helpful for me to be like i'm a painter or like i'm a sketcher (laughs) that's not that's not the correct word sketcher (laughs) sketch babe whatever (laughs) sometimes you do have to not limit yourself but really encourage yourself to master one discipline before presenting all these options and then you're spread so thin, yeah. it's just hard for people to know what they even want from you. Yeah, my husband's like, why are you trying to chase three rabbits? You haven't even caught one. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, but there's something to be said about trying and failing, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. what was your first, I forget what your first oh, I don't even canvas? Talk about, I don't even talk about it, really. <laughs> It's not on my LinkedIn. I never talk about it. That just shows like the insecurity I had. <laughs> oh on my it. gosh. But it was called Invoke Thy Quote. And before organic was like huge, like it is now, I sourced organic tote bags from China. I like negotiated with the manufacturer myself. I brought them in. I got them screen printed with these beautiful quotes on the outside. Oh, and I wow. went to like festivals and stuff and sold wow. them. I probably would have bought that. Like I literally, I mean, this is an Andy Warhol tote bag from the art museum, but I have like probably 25 tote bags. Oh my God. This is like 10 years ago. Everyone was like, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) we don't care about organic. (laughs) 
Well, oh, I was wow. 13 10 years ago, but I literally yeah. probably would have bought one because I love tote bags. Yeah. It's so fun, though. I feel like this isn't it. Oh. This is just a hobby. Or... It was a lot of long hours. Product is hard, but I was buying the tote bags in bulk. Like that's how you pre-negotiate with the manufacturer to get mm -hmm. your cost low. So it was like I was getting inventory. It wasn't on demand and I had to sell out of that inventory. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it taught me a lot about like sourcing product mm -hmm. and like just how to build an e-com business and like all of these things that I was like, what? <laughs> that now when we run social and stuff for clients I, like understand yeah. like the e-com side of things because i built a business it sucked but like yeah like I but you did it. it you know what i mean yeah that is honestly the essence of gumption and i really appreciate you bringing that up because something i've been trying to highlight on this podcast is gumption isn't always a success story sometimes and i feel like a lot of times for me at least it is something that you try and it doesn't work out, but you gain the skills and the knowledge from it. And then you can bring that energy and knowledge into your next endeavor. Yeah. And I've been trying to ask people about like, what's a time that you used gumption and you failed? And they're like, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, well, Let's I'll find someone who does. Because <laughs> it is kind of like just yeah. something that people don't always want to highlight their failures. But I think... Yeah. I learn a lot more from when I fail at things than yeah. when I succeed. And so true. It takes a lot of courage to launch a business, for sure. But I think it takes more courage to say it's not working and wrap it up. Yes. Truly. That's so true. Yeah. People hang on for a long time when they know it's not meant to be. And yeah. so it takes a lot of guts to be like, I started this business and it was a failure, whatever it was. Yeah. And it's wrapping up now and it's done. People are like, well, what? why? Why is it yeah. done? And you're it's like, because it's not working. Anymore. And yeah. it's hard to say, but yeah. it's true. Or even deeper than that, they think like something's inherently wrong with them. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, it could have just been the market. It could have been the time. It could have been the idea. It could have been yeah. you weren't really yeah. interested. It yeah. could have been you realized this actually isn't what I want to do for the rest yeah. of my life. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. And even like back <laughs> to the earlier point about Plum and how it's really like looking for that sense of community among creatives imagine starting that right before the pandemic yeah, like that could have been the screwed. worst possible time mm -hmm. so it really is dependent on what's going on in the world and the community that you're trying to serve and if mm -hmm. it's gonna land at that time both of my parents have had so many different jobs they met as scientists working at steris cool. my dad was a chemical engineer and my mom was a medical biochemist she worked as a kindergarten teacher some years after that they had their own sleep apnea business so yeah. many different fields she now works at progressive but so i feel like i grew <laughs> she up just, like shifted exactly <laughs> i grew up being like okay there's not really a limit if you go into one field and it doesn't work out you're not stuck which I guess was something I didn't really value until I was older and actually applying for jobs myself. If I do this for two or three years and I don't like it, like there's no one telling me I can't go into another field. Yeah. And I think definitely one downside of college is that you do kind of niche yourself into your major and that career. And then if you don't like it, I feel like I wasted all this time studying right. this and becoming really educated about it. And now I don't want to switch fields, but I think that's a very important skill to have. And yeah. also knowing yourself to be like, okay, this isn't what I thought it was. Right. Yeah. I will probably say the same thing. <laughs> don't do what they studied. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> yeah, they don't. I mean, I didn't. I did public health. Like, I was totally in, different. Interesting. I was an attorney. Yeah. Whoa. That's cool. Isn't that weird? When you ask people, like, what's your past life? They're like, mm, doctor. I tell people, they're like, attorney. Yeah. And you're so creative. Like, 
I discovered I was so creative. I almost tapped into it because I went through a series of really difficult trials with my health and my mental health. And I was like, wait, this creativity is what's getting me through right now. Yeah. And then I turned it into something more. Yeah. But public health did teach me a lot about things and marketing mm -hmm. and like how it all goes together and finding different stakeholders. Like it still applies yeah. to business. It's just so different. Than yeah. like I always tell people for the first two years of college, I studied astronomy and astrophysics which is like like Dang. people are like what the heck like that's insane it's literally <laughs> rocket science it's crazy but the reason that I ended up shifting away from it and I majored in English and peace and justice was because I just felt like there wasn't enough human connection and I was always a good math and science student but I didn't want to be sitting behind a computer coding as my job and I like to interact with people too much that just wouldn't have been for me yeah. so it's so ironic because now i'm the stem coordinator for a nonprofit that serves <laughs> kids i get to bring in that passion of loving space and yeah. loving stars yeah. but also knowing that i'm actually helping a community whoever wants to go first with your gumption story it's always super helpful when people actually know the movie the holiday so maybe ashley wants to go first since you were talking about that you like the movie already and you know what gumption is yeah okay Gumption story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, biggest gumption story would have to be leaving my career as an attorney and starting my own business. So when I left my career as an attorney, I actually like experienced a mental health crisis and I was in the hospital for three days. I was admitted and coming out of that, I hit rock bottom, right? So then I was like, mm -hmm. I hit rock bottom. I have to climb it. I can't trust my own mind. So I was like retraining my brain and it was the craziest thing I've ever been through for sure. After that whole thing and being in therapy a lot, I decided like I wasn't going to I don't know, let my circumstance determine who I was. So I was like, what wow. do I want? I have to prioritize my mental health. So it just changed the trajectory of my life truly because mm -hmm. I decided like I was gonna start my own business. I was gonna focus. I need days where I don't do anything. Like I just need yeah. that. And then having kids really further solidified the need to be an entrepreneur because my son has health issues. So like mm -hmm. I need the ability to do whatever I want to do on whatever yeah. day I want to do it. You can't do that when you aren't corporate. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I want to go a little further into that. How has being a mom influenced your career trajectory beyond what you just said and solidifying your, you knowing that you're going the right direction? Yeah, having kids is the most beautiful and challenging experience you'll ever go through. And it's like, you think that you know what the center of your universe is until you have a kid and then you realize that like you orbit around something different now. Wow. And so like orbiting around your children, you'll do anything for them. And so for me, it's having time and like the ability to have flexibility to take them the things or like my son had heart surgery and before he had heart surgery he had a lot of health appointments I would have mm -hmm. never had that time off had I been wow, not yeah. my own boss having kids showed me there was really only one path for me and so now I joke to other people I'm unemployable at this point like I could never <laughs> go back to being corporate I have to do my own thing no one's gonna hire me it's too defiant there's no way I have to be my own boss that's really cool I was like tearing I'm tearing up I, I definitely really want to be a mom someday and I'm like very inspired by 
other women who don't sacrifice their own interests but also still devote so much time and love to their children yeah i feel like the world kind of tells us you can't do both of those things like there's just not enough time but there is and there's so many people who are doing it successfully it's really inspiring to me and that's ultimately like what i want to do someday so yeah yeah oh that's so beautiful So now you can tell your gumption stories. <laughs> I love that. It's good for me because I don't have kids. So I'm like, okay. Like, I feel like I've just had to, like, mentally prepare myself for, like, yeah. what that could look like. But it doesn't have to look like lack or yeah. no freedom. Like, you can still have freedom. But, like, I guess I'll see when I get there. I'll call up Ashley in despair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but for me, basically from the time I was young, I knew I wanted to, like, do my own thing. Probably since 16, like had freedom written on my wall and I was like this hippie girl and I just wanted that freedom and to create and stuff but I got pushed into go into the medical field and do nursing and that's what's stable and coming from immigrant family and just seeing all of them it just felt like okay that's a safe option after I graduated high school though like I wanted to be a yoga teacher, so I kind of went on this different path. I became my yoga teacher. Like the whole summer I spent studying and got my certificate. I went to Tri-C and throughout all that, I kept pushing on this path that people wanted for me, but I feel like life has a way of like showing you what you really want. Mm -hmm. And it was through going to college and just a whole year of being really sick and like my mental health declined really badly, my chronic illness. I didn't know what was going on and that's where I kind of hit my rock bottom Mm -hmm. and it really got me to identity crisis at I think it was 20 and I got a diagnosis of autoimmune disease and for someone to tell you the rest of your life you're gonna be this we're gonna deal with this yeah like and it like to feel that way at 20 and feel like oh my god I have a year left of college and then I go into the real world yeah I can't foresee myself working full-time I feel like part-time is the rest of my life, you know, or being my own boss. And that's where it kind of kind of started to shift of like, okay, I have this degree, but now what? Yeah. So my husband and I moved to London. We had our savings from our wedding, but I did have to get a job, but it was a fun job and it was a coffee shop. And I just started to tap into my soul. What do I want? And that's where I discovered like my creativity and photography and the permission to start your own path and make your own way. And through that, I've healed in a lot of ways. I'm not cured, but I do believe the creative path is really healing in a lot of ways. And so I'm super grateful. Like, although it was really hard going through that for a few years and I sometimes have flare-ups, I would not choose another path. Am I wildly successful yet? No, but in my own way, like, the inner child is like, yeah! Yeah. Like, you know, she's like, yeah! Like, you didn't listen to mom and dad! No, like, you know what I'm saying? I really honestly related to what you said so much because when I changed my major in college, I feel like that was such a turning point for me. And also, I had the near-death experience with anaphylactic reaction. I'm really allergic to nuts, and I ate this stupid cookie that had nuts in it. Oh, my God. And it was so scary because I had never experienced that in my adult life. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I kind of went through that identity crisis. And then a few months later, when I was getting back on my feet, the pandemic hits, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, I just figured (laughs) myself out. Now what am I going to do? Yeah. A lot of people kind of drift along and don't necessarily have anything that pushes them to really reevaluate, which... 
it's kind of a privilege because it's like glad you didn't have to experience something traumatic to like wonder what your priorities are but (laughs) I'm honestly thankful that I did because it made me be like I don't want to spend my time learning about this stuff like I want to do something that I'm passionate about I love the way you said that because it was like so relatable and just very true so so happy yeah okay well i think our last thing can be just a quick little tidbit takeaway advice that you think would be helpful for someone who's in their 20s like maybe trying to make their way into their job or starting a business especially for women since we're kind of focusing on just being a boss babe in this episode not to put you on the spot (laughs) tidbit if i was in my 20s i would try more things for sure Your 20s are the time to like experiment and fuck up and fall down and stand up and just try as much as you can to figure out who you want to be. I wouldn't be scared to start things and end things and just like do it all until you figure out who you are because you can do it in your 20s and it might be scary but like every decade you're going to reinvent yourself. Who are you going to be in your 20s? I love that. It's funny. I had a therapist that told me at one time at 25, I feel like I'm going through like a quarter life crisis. It's a joke. And she was like, (laughs) you should feel lucky that you're going through this right now. Some people never reflect their whole life on what they want and who they are. You should want to do that now versus later. And then the truth is like every decade you reinvent. So like, don't expect to be who you were in your 30s that you were in your 20s. And I know in my 40s, I'm going to want different things that I want now. Lay the foundation now. I wish I would have tried more. Like, I should have started more businesses. (laughs) Yeah, awesome because it's like you don't have to be static. You can be all the things that you are and maybe lean into one thing more so than another at one time and then decide, actually, I think I've played this out to its end and I want to, like, try something else. And not even in business. Like, love hard. Make a lot of friendships. Just do it. Now is the time. Like, let your hair down. Let your hair down. (laughs) It's got real potential right there. (laughs) (laughs) I love that because I'm like nearing the end of my 20s. I'm 27. To hear that from someone, I think my biggest takeaway is listen to your, learn what that is. Mm -hmm. Learn what your intuition is saying. Interesting. I wish I would have learned that earlier because now I just get these downloads or this info or go this way, go that way. Don't do that. You know, it's very important to be in tune and with that comes the sacrifice of caring what other people are going to think about yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. Which is hard for a people pleaser. So I think that's one of them. And if there is no path, you feel like you don't fit in, then just make your own fucking way. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like that's, that's my mic like, drop. motto. Like, I love that. There's no yeah. room for you, make a room. There's yeah. no table for you, make the table. Like, there's no stage, make the stage. Like, that's yeah, kind of, of been my, that's amazing. my thing. I'm like, there's no room, I'm gonna make one. Yeah. You know, so. And that's a good motto to live by. Yeah, so own it. And the right people will find you, right? Yeah. So. Well, with that, I think that's the best possible way to end an episode. <laughs> so thank you both <laughs> so much. I had so much fun recording this. Yeah. And also, like, just the fact that you guys are willing to get marks before and just yeah, have normal conversation. Course. Like, so good. absolutely amazing. So, so. There you have it, guys. That was episode 16, Being Multi-Passionate and thinking like a founder. 
I am so grateful because literally I was so inspired editing this episode and preparing to share it with you guys just as inspired as I was when we were physically there having the conversation because I feel like the advice that they shared was so invaluable. And if you want to feel inspired, you need to check out Plum Hill Creative Studio, The Branded Babe Club, and Quimby Digital because all of their socials are absolutely fire and the thoughtfulness and experience that went into these businesses is absolutely unmatched. All their accounts and websites are linked in the Gumption bio as well as in the description of this episode. And don't forget to continue following us on Instagram at gumptionpod. I pour my entire heart and soul into making that feed an explosion of color. Last but not least, as promised, I have continued making some themed playlists to go with each of our episodes. So this week's playlist is called Multi-Passionate. You can find it on my Spotify, also linked in the Gumption bio. And it's really just songs about people with big dreams and ambition who are not going to let anybody stand in their way. So on that note, love you guys. Bye. (laughs) 